0: hi there welcome to shrink chat this is the companion show to our main podcast terror talk my name is shannon and i'm joined every week by my friend kathy on this show we talk about psychology and media and whatever else comes up it's a bit looser so hang out and welcome to shrink chat hi everybody this is shrink chat with shannon and kathy Hello. Hello.
1: Oh, you have a, a new lolly.
0: I had a lolly. Um Kathy brought to the studio a big bag of dum dum lollipops. Which I'm assuming are from your childhood.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes those came in my Halloween candy.
0: Yeah, they do because they're super cheap. So <laughs> mm-hmm. I think they come in every <laughs> Uh, at least events that you go to at, and you're crunching on some, some nuts. Blue,
1: blue almond, smokehouse almonds.
0: We're in the snack phase mm-hmm. of the recording. I almost put a milk dud in my mouth. A dud? Because she brought, you know, like movie food, like popcorn and nuts and um, dum-dums. And uh, she knows that I do like a dud. I always bring a dum-dum if you're here. <laughs> it's me. I'm the dum-dum. Mm-hmm. I'm eating, I'm a dum-dum and I'm eating duds. I'm a fan of the Milk Dud. So <clears throat> mostly because they last the whole movie. <laughs> the other stuff I eat too fast. Oh, I'm sad. Okay. Today on the show, we are going to start with um, a little segment that Kathy does. JoJo. JoJo, come in here. She's literally getting up. Oh, here comes JoJo. Hey, Jojo. Oh, hi, Hey, hey. Oh, Thank you. Oh, that's our... Um, Thanks, Jojo. Jingle gal. That's Jojo. She sings a jingle for us. We
1: hire her just to sit on the couch and wait outside, and so we need her to sing that. Yeah, she's a submissive girl. Okay, let's see. I have several. I have a few to choose from here.
0: <laughs> We're going to listen while you peruse.
1: Okay. I have it. <laughs> cool. It's the... Th- Third film to ever win all of the big five Oscars. Picture, actor, actress, director, and screenplay. Uh, The only two others that ever won all of that was It Happened One Night from 1935 and One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest in 1976. So this is the third ever to win all of that. Gene Hackman was initially going to star and direct and Michelle Pfeiffer was the first choice for the lead female role. Sean Connery passed on the role because he thought it was disgusting. Can't you hear him saying that? I can. (laughs) This is disgusting. (laughs) Okay, Bond. (laughs) The lead actor. Oh, this is going to give it away. I might have to save this one till the end. I think I already know it. Okay, then I'll read it to you. The lead actor chose to wear all white to play on the fear that many people already have of doctors and dentists.
0: So can I tell you that I actually knew the answer with the first clue? I figured because that's the stuff you actually know. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Silence of the Lambs.
1: Yes. Guess how many... So um, Anthony Hopkins, who won Best Actor for this, guess how long how much screen time he had in the two and a half hours or whatever.
0: Oh, I got, gosh,
1: like not very much. 16 minutes. Yeah. He won an Oscar for being on the screen for 16 minutes. And that movie was well over two hours long.
0: Yes. He made an impression. Yeah. He made an impression. (laughs) It was, you know, his three scenes that, but luckily, the rest of the movie made an impression as well, and
1: yeah, oh, for sure. But can landed. you imagine Gene Hackman and Michelle Pfeiffer?
0: <laughs> I've read that. I've read that before, so I, I
1: knew, I, I knew each clue.
0: <laughs> I'm like, well, if I didn't get it on the first one, I know I would have gotten it on that one. See, you but yeah, them. yep, I sure did. Yay! I know something. You do. You know not, a thing. Not a lot of things, but I know something. <sighs> Uh, I believe you have a news item. She's dancing
1: a chicken dance. All right. Uh, well, this is more of just, we've talked about this before, before on the show and other episodes, but oh. I had just posted something on terror talk uh, on our Instagram the other day about just the idea of psychological horror and what it is and how it really taps into like our shadow side and, I know you and I talk a lot about the unconscious on this show and psychodynamic themes on the show, so I went a little bit further in, because we, we had talked about the Uncanny Valley when we did the Dolls episode and stuff a while back. <clears throat> but this was more, um, this was actually, this article was made in reference to the movie Psycho and how the Uncanny is used in that film, which I'm not really going to get so much into Psycho as more of what the Uncanny is and why it plays out Um, when we watch horror. So I'm just going to read a couple things here. So it's very Freudian clearly. (laughs) So Freud explains the realm of the uncanny as the place at which aesthetics and psychoanalysis merge because it deals with a particular feeling or sensation combined with emotional impulses, the substances or manifestations of the uncanny are elements that are fearful and frightening proceeding with Freud's definition of the uncanny being a class of frightening elements, plaguing the psyche Ushering an individual back to what is familiar, also called Heimlich, and known as, as opposed to what is unknown. Freud refers to the uncanny as that which should have remained secret and hidden, but has come to the light. Furthermore, he goes on to further describe the uncanny as the mark of the return of the repressed. The concept of the uncanny is a type of unwilling or mistaken exposure to something surprising, unexpected, or horrific. So before I go into this next part, I think it's interesting to think about, because we've talked on the show before, like why are we drawn to horror and why is it so fascinating? And that it really just taps into that more primal side of going to those feelings that might actually be exciting to think about if there weren't any consequence. You know, some of this Mm -hmm. is clearly unconscious. But um, so, so first of all, why are we drawn to that? We're drawn to it because it allows us in a way of not actually acting out on these things, but it allows us to experience those feelings um, in in a project a projecting kind of way because we're watching it we're watching somebody else do these things as we experience these feelings. Mm-hmm. So they they go more into um, you know Freud claims that the source of the uncanny in literature is the re- recurrence of something long forgotten and repressed, but it's not just something that we experience in real life, it's actually more easily accomplished in literature and movies because fantasy is different from reality. So just because something works as uncanny in a work of literature doesn't mean it can work in real life. So the suspension of disbelief, I think it's interesting how much we, we don't realize how art is a way that we can express things without consequence. And because it is somewhat removed from reality, our unconscious allows ourselves to go there and um, says oftentimes the uncanny in literature and films is the projection of the psyche of the central character on another object or person combined with a warped view of the objective and subjective of a given situation. So this is where they go into talking about Norman Bates. And then I tied in a little bit of Jacques Lacan, who we talked about in that episode on dolls, who's also talked a lot about the uncanny valley and he writes, um, uncanny places us in the field where we do not know how to distinguish bad and good pleasure from displeasure resulting in incredible anxiety that gestures the real. So when you think about Norman Bates, he's a fictional character, but we also have this dissonance around feeling sorry for him, but also being terrified by him at the same time. And really only through art and literature, what they're saying in this article is really only through art and literature will we allow ourselves to hold those two places because in real life it might be too terrifying or it may just not be possible. Um, So I just think it's, it's another way to think about how horror is, can be a really positive outlet to those really unconscious aggressions or, or primal, you know, feelings that we wouldn't otherwise be able to express. Absolutely. I,
0: I love this topic. Um, I think all films, and we're talking about horror, but yeah, all films are, we can work out our stuff in a really healthy way. Um, I mean, in essence, like as a writer, if if you want to tap into somebody's uncanny in order to create that sort of emotional state, I mean, basically you create an experience of the uncanny, right, for the watcher or the reader um you have to take something that's what you're talking about is like you have to take something that's very familiar and make it unfamiliar yeah and then um that familiarity that is underneath right is like the underneath tone is like an emotional state that you're tapping into Mm -hmm. so the unfamiliarity um Involves some kind of repressed emotional mm-hmm. state. And so fear, anxiety, mm-hmm. trauma, abuse. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times fear is the things that haven't happened, mm-hmm. <laughs> but you're more afraid of than, you know, especially in horror, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then have like the characters kind of go between familiar and unfamiliar Totally feelings, right?
1: Yeah. And then the, he further states like by breaking it down this way, they're talking about psycho Freud actually makes Norman seem like someone that could exist in real life. And that is perhaps the most terrifying aspect of the movie. The fact that Norman could be your next door neighbor is enough to spark fear and horror into the lives of those who watch this masterpiece. Cause he, they, he, he really is essentially, he's not an alien. He's not, he, he's someone who could really exist. Um, and what a fearful thought.
0: Well, and I think if I relate it to the Silence of the Lambs, which you are just obviously talking about in your facts section of the show. Yes,
1: there's a facts section.
0: Um, You know, his qualities, even though most of us don't know someone like that, (laughs) um, the qualities that he has in having that uncanny ability to connect and read minds and mirror and pick up on psychological cues and get deep into the psyche like narcissistic people can. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is that the way that movie, in many ways, channels that, what you're talking about. You know, it, it p- taps into something that, like, What I think it taps into is our fascination with that kind of person. And so if you are fascinated with that kind of person, which I would hazard a guess that many of our listeners are, (laughs) because that's what we talk about. If you're fascinated with that kind of person and you're watching them and you're both disgusted and intrigued and seduced by them, and you can imagine yourself being in Clarice's position and doing what she does, which is, um, you know, courting the beast. Mm -hmm. And then like, Oh crap. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like I'm both turned on and turned off by Mm -hmm. this person. And that's that like familiar and unfamiliar, you know, that's that war that you want to put in the audience. You want to create that tension. I would say, you know, the tension of the opposites or whatever other psychodynamic analytic, you know, types of ideas you want to throw in there. But like, there's that tension of the opposites and what you're feeling inside. And I think that is one of the most successful things about good horror is that you've got this tension inside, like don't go, but go. Cause I want to see what right. happens,
1: you know, and the anxiety of holding both <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So I don't know. I always like to look at like, cause I know I've loved horror since I was a kid and probably yeah. cause it was, you know, it was pretty much in utero when I saw my first horror film. That's probably part of the problem. Um <laughs> oh that's the problem. That's probably the Now problem. we know. But mm-hmm. I'd also just like to know because I'm I'm not at all I mean, not that it, it requires you to be this to watch horror films, but I'm the furthest from like being a physically aggressive person or really being like, yeah, I need to so but clearly it's probably another reason I do love horrors. It's it's the time where I get to go there unconsciously or, Absolutely. Through, or through someone else because I certainly don't live that way. Right. Nor do I have a desire to live that way, but we all have that shadow side. We all have that curiosity at least of wow, how how, do, how does one go through that? Yeah, I
0: mean, most people haven't worked with that side. So it's like, this is a very unconscious way to play out and have the psyche work just like with dreams. We can have dreams all our life and never work with dreams and never do that psychological work like many people do. But dreams are still working on you in everyday life, just like movies and film and literature and any kind of art is still working on you psychologically, whether you're complicit with it or not. (laughs) It's much funner to be complicit with it for me and to look at it and to kind of use it as a healthy coping skill. Mm Um, than to be unconscious and just like let life go by without using art in a creative and therapeutic way but that's just my bias i agree i know that's one of the many reasons why we're friends i I know you do so i wanted to mention that i attended an event that i attend almost every year i go when i'm uh, when i can um, it's something called Deadline Contenders. So every year, Deadline Magazine has two contenders events. They have one for the Emmys and one for the Oscars. And so obviously the Emmys is about television shows and the Oscars is about movies. Now, this year, because of the COVID-19 um, health crisis, it was virtual. And the awesome thing about that was that um, this is a day of basically like 10-minute slots where all the biggies, Netflix, Amazon Prime, Sony, CBS TV, blah, 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 all the biggies, even, and now there's some new ones. Freeform is getting in the game, different ones. Mm-hmm. HBO, Showtime. They all show up, and they've got 10 minutes for whichever shows they're going to pitch to the audience, and the audience is made up of voting members of... Um, the pga directors and which is the producers guild which i'm a member of the directors guild the writers guild the actors guild sag um voting members of those place thing those gosh i cannot speak today you have
1: like marbles
0: (sighs) maybe i should just stop right now maybe
1: maybe we need to just stop recording (laughs) well i'm I'm over here trying to look up i don't know what you're doing over there well i'm trying to use my computer to look something up and it's I have to get rid of this thing. I'm now on my phone because it's freezing.
0: Okay, so I want to continue. Go on. Um, anyway, it's virtual, and the most awesome thing about that is that I could uh, sign up for it as a voting member of the PGA, and I could go into my phone, and then I could put it on my big screen in my living room and have my breakfast and watch all the people. And they're all virtual, too, so it's like, you know, for the show Ozark – it's like Jason Bateman and um, Laura Linney and the different stars and the writer and director. And they're all in little boxes. Like you're in a Skype meeting yeah. <laughs> with the interviewer from deadline and they're all, and then every 10 minutes there's a new one and they show clips of new movies and TV shows and all. It's a really fun event in person because they serve you lunch. They give you a swag. It's really super fun. But this was fun too, because I didn't have to go anywhere at eight thirty in the morning. True. <laughs> um, And if something was boring, I could go, you know, get a soda or whatever. And I didn't have to, like, sit in my chair because I want to be respectful. (laughs) There's, like,
1: advantages and disadvantages of all this. Yeah,
0: for sure. I really did miss the live aspect of it because at the breaks and at lunches, you know, you get to chitty-chat with strangers. And I enjoy that every year because I usually meet someone interesting. Um, But So I did that a little while ago. So that was fun. I just want to mention it. I love it. Because I – I did a little live tweeting during it, but of course those tweets are real old now. But
1: I love that it was fun. I think that's great.
0: I even met some people on Twitter I, doing I, it.
1: I think you've talked on here if it's the same event that you've actually gone to live and mm-hmm. yeah, yep.
0: Yeah. I mentioned I, I've so been I to think both.
1: Shia, yeah, he
0: was on the oh. movie. One, yeah, the the Oscars one yeah. for his movies. Um, it was cool. So let's talk a little movies. Oh
1: man. Okay, can um, I start with one? Yes. This was like, I, I mean, I think I've watched more bad horror movies in this past week than I have in a very long time. So this one was from, do you remember the other day when I texted you and I said, I this is like an hour and a half of my life, I'll never get back. This is probably <laughs> the worst horror, one of the worst horror films I've ever seen, and I've seen some doozies. Mm-hmm. Okay, this one's called Brain Damage from 1988. Wow. Um, let me just tell you before I give you the synopsis it's it's and it's there's nothing profound about it. I felt like I had brain damage when it was over was it's all this all of a sudden this guy you know he wakes up he starts to feel sick he wakes up in the morning the next thing you know there's like this talking it's supposed to be a parasite it looks like a talking brain stem it's like this phallic parasite and in a bucket and he's talking to him on the. The bed, like, hi, Brian, I'm going to get, he sounds like Mickey Mouse. I'm going to connect to you now, and I'm going to, basically using this guy as a host. And the w- the worst thing about it is he gets, this parasite ends up attaching to him. He's like, just sit still. I'm going to attach myself to you. I like you. the voice. That's what he sounds like. And he goes, <laughs> okay. And then you see him, like, kind of going his back. He's like, uh, And then the next thing, he's controlling Brian, and no one knows what's going on with Brian. They're like, what's up with Brian?
0: <laughs> what is and, up with Brian? And
1: Brian's like going out to nightclubs, and and he, it's like he's seeing the world for the first time. And he okay. runs through this. He runs through this uh, <laughs> junkyard of cars, and he's like, "Oh, oh, 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 oh. it's this." La- I had to turn the volume down. He laughed like that for. I go, "What the f- is going on right now?" It was <laughs> like he was running through Disneyland, but he's running through a, a like a junkyard. So it says one morning a young man wakes to find that a small disgusting creature has attached itself to the base of his brainstem. The creature gives him a euphoric state of happiness but demands human victims in return. Okay. So he has to keep feeding himself with but if you look up the picture of this little parasite, it's embarrassing that this was their <laughs> prop and he sits he has to be either submerged in water or attached to him. Oh, I see. So when he first wakes up, he's in this, you know, Brian's like, oh, I don't feel good. And he's in this, like, euphoric. It's like he's drowning in this waterbed thing, and he wakes up, and here's the little guy. He's like, good morning, Brian. I'm going gonna... oh, to... Oh and my. the voice, all of a sudden, I was very confused. Is this a horror film? <laughs> I was more annoyed by the performances. All tropes, by the way, because it's the 80s. <laughs> Obviously, So the girl ends up getting his girlfriend the night that he gets sick. He's like, I can't go to the concert I'm not feeling well. So she turns to the brother and she's his brother, her boyfriend's brother. brother's <laughs> like, well, I guess, do you want to go? And he's like, yeah. And I'm thinking you're going to bang your brother's girlfriend. That's so dirty. You could tell like, that's what he wanted. It was all 1980s <laughs> horror tropes. And then they come back from sort of sounds like fun. Actually. <laughs> it was the worst okay. movie to the point where I'm like, I'm, I don't even know if I can finish this. I don't think I did finish it. It was it was embarrassingly bad. <laughs> okay. Shudder.
0: It was a Shudder. Yeah, yeah. There's lots of good movies on there.
1: <laughs> there's lots of fun, bad movies and
0: lots of fun, good
1: movies. It was so bad. And I like bad horror. Mm-hmm. This was bad, bad horror.
0: Yeah, where it doesn't like make sense and it doesn't quite
1: come together. And You're giving it too much credit. I mean, you're even like, I mean, this was just, it was shit. It was like someone <laughs> shit on a film. Well... <laughs> Well, you described it
0: okay. Like, I kind of know what was going on. I just don't know why, which is the problem.
1: (laughs) Why? Why is this happening? Here is a note. I have two notes under this. One is worst movie on the planet, and two is an hour and a half I'll never get back. Those are the two notes that I have next to it.
0: Kathy, never afraid of the definitive.
1: (laughs) Will I get that hour and a half back?
0: (laughs) No. Worst movie ever. Never, never, Worst never movie on the planet. having a problem with the definitive
1: statement. Oh,
0: <laughs> I hate oh, when people speak hilarious. in definitives, but when
1: I'm really angry, I always speak in. Oh, it. I, I just did. I know. I always speak in. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: i know that's why i'm laughing because i get to laugh because i know kathy really well
1: god it was horrible <laughs>
0: and and sometimes it's really fun i
1: was actually really <laughs> angry at it because i was like Aww. okay this might be kind of fun and dumb i'll watch it and it um, was it wasn't and then it, it was just dumb felt like it a wasn't waste fun. of time it was like i'm sorry a waste of time i was doing a lot of stuff thankfully while it was on
0: well the great thing about like w- having a huge fund of knowledge about movies is she a lot of shit too. (laughs) Right. So like the more you watch, the more bad movies you will come upon.
1: I won't be recommending this.
0: (laughs) I can see that. I can see that zero stars. Zero um I watched a couple of I I watched a lot of things, but there's two that I'm gonna talk about. Okay. Which are slightly newer. They're from 2019. Uh one is called Funhouse.
1: Oh, I think I've seen that.
0: Yeah. Okay. When eight celebrities from around the globe are invited to compete in an online reality show. I
1: started watching it. They
0: soon realize that they are playing for their very lives as those voted off suffer horrific consequences. Uh, broadcast live to the entire world it's like a really bad saw kind of thing okay you know where like it's really not saw at all but it's that kind of thing where horrible things happen when you lose so it's like you know the antithesis of getting voted off the island (laughs) you know you get voted off the island by the by the viewing public which is harsh and then horrible things happen that they're video, you know, they're recording and they're broadcasting. Um, and you know, at first of course the public thinks it's fake and then I think they realize it's real, blah, blah, blah. So another scarsguard is in this, uh, Volter Skarsgard. God, Sweet- there's so many of them. Swedish guy, yeah. He's there's another one. Um, and a bunch of other people, uh young people that play in this. So <laughs> One of the reviews I read was it said, um, sometimes you watch an entire movie and you're not sure why this was one of those times. (laughs) It's true. It is one of those kind of movies where uh, (laughs) it's like there was something about it. I kept watching it. I mean, you know, granted, it's like I'm on my couch. Sure, (laughs) I'm doing other stuff. You just let it play. There was something sort of, Stupid about it, Mm -hmm. um, that I couldn't stop watching because they had like the vapid, um, online personalities, and they had the love, love interest personalities, like the two genuine people on the show were of course gonna fall in love, sure, you know. And then there was all these like the angry girl. Was it like
1: too predictable?
0: Um, no, I uh, for me it wasn't that it was predictable. No, I actually didn't find it predictable. Um, because there were twists and turns there and maybe that's a little bit of what saved it in the end. Cause I wouldn't say, I would say if you're looking to pass a Saturday morning and watch just like a silly kind of horror movie, it's really like fine, like go for it. Um, especially if you like that context of sort of online, you know, ideas around, um, you know psychopaths that are manipulating you through technology and yeah offing you but yeah i it, it ended up being a little bit better than i thought it was going to be the first half an hour mm-hmm. <laughs> because they did start to flesh out a few of the characters yeah you started to understand and you actually kind of cared for them a little bit there <clears throat> as they died mm-hmm. <laughs> And then there's a twist, a couple of different twists kind of that happen at the end there. And I mean,
1: it, nothing. It wasn't the worst movie on the planet. It
0: was not. Well, that's good. So you didn't have my experience. Thank God.
1: <laughs> that would have sucked if we both had one of those experiences.
0: <laughs> I've watched some pretty bad horror movies, but most of those are from the 80s. <laughs> yeah. So I mean,
1: yeah, there's some. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, there were some great franchises in the 70s and 80s, and there was a whole lot of bad stuff. Um. Yeah, so
1: I don't know. I, I, uh, a C plus. I don't know. I also wanted to let you know I watched Scream Queens. Mm. Um, I had said I sh- you should watch it. Yeah, okay. and I did, and it was really, really good, and just a really interesting perspective of just how closeted any yeah queer theme had to be in the eighties. Mm-hmm. It was direct without being direct by being indirect, and then shamed for being. Mm. What it was, and then how it what it did to his career. One of the things that stuck out for me, and if those of you didn't watch the the previous show where we talked about this, it's basically about it's the second nightmare in Elm Street, right? Mm-hmm. The actor who is identifies as gay in real life, I believe that's how he identifies anyway, and um, how his character was evasively, it was very vague, but also very obvious that he was, (laughs) he goes
0: to gay bars,
1: (laughs) but couldn't be talked about really directly. And then they're like just all the different themes in the movie, but how this really was supposed to launch his career. And then, you know, it didn't. And one of the things that I think really was hard for me to hear him say, because I, I couldn't have imagined being a gay man during the AIDS epidemic at that time was when he was saying, You know, here I am being pressured by the industry's anxiety to tell me, don't wear this and don't go there. And, you know, does anyone know you're gay? All the while, you know, he has friends of his who are dying of AIDS and he's trying to compartmentalize both of these things. He's basically being told to not be who he is. Please be straighter. We can't have you. While he's trying to deal with and compartmentalize the fact that he has loved ones who are in the hospital dying of AIDS. I mean, it's just.
0: I know you've basically described gaslighting, <laughs> cultural yeah. gaslighting. Well, uh,
1: yeah. And just the, how much he had to stuff down um, while he was suffering and couldn't even talk to anybody about it. And there's a really cathartic moment he though, he has, is it with the director or yeah, the creator producer the right or producer? something Yeah, where they have that moment? Anyway, I just want to let you know, I watched it and I thought it was great.
0: Yeah, agreed. Um, I had seen it and I thought, oh hey, have you? I just sort of said, hey, have you seen this? Because mm-hmm. it's on Shudder and we both have Shutter, so um, I I really enjoyed it. It's like a story I didn't know, and that's always makes a good documentary. Is like a story you didn't know, and um, yeah. there's a super famous, you know, homo homoerotic subtext to that mm-hmm. movie that's, you know, that I certainly never thought about at the time. No, because I was young and you just didn't think about it. But then you look, watch it now. Yeah. You know, they have the character going to um, leather bars is what I would. That's what we used to call them.
1: <laughs> and how it was really. Um, unique, and the dancing it, and, unique and, yeah. at that time to have. It was such a big deal for his friend who was female to be the stronger character that was like. So, and which is surprising because we're coming off of a couple years prior to that as Laurie Strode and Halloween, mm-hmm. but it was really interesting how they would, you know, how, how is it that she's caring for him and being the strength of this movie, which we now see all the time. It's way more balanced, but yeah, that then was just, it was not, it was, I don't know if, if you guys haven't seen it, I recommend it. Yeah,
0: it was good. It was good. Uh, did you see another movie you wanted to, you know, complain about?
1: Um, yeah, I saw another really bad one. Yeah. Uh, also on shutter. Okay. Called, uh, let's see if my computers, it's called better watch out. Okay. And it's, uh, filled with a ton of tropes, including a really hot babysitter. Nice. Uh, takes place during Christmas and I think they may have made a second one. So it's 2016. Mm hmm. Um, stars, Olivia, I don't know how to pronounce uh, oh. her last name. Levi Miller. So here's the plot, yo. <laughs> At Christmas time, 17-year-old Ashley's babysitting, precocious 12-year-old Luke Lerner. Luke has romantic feelings for Ashley and unsuccessfully attempts to seduce her while watching a horror film. Strange happenings outside push Ashley on edge, but it ultimately appears to be just Luke's best friend, Garrett, who has arrived to visit Hearing a window break upstairs, the trio find a brick inscribed with "You leave and you die." Garrett panics and runs out the back door, but is apparently killed by an unknown shooter. Well, spoiler alert: you can mute this if you don't want to, or if you want to watch, better watch out. And it did have its fun elements. I was, I've. I've, This says it's not your normal home invasion. Yes, because you (laughs) find out that Luke has plotted all of this to impress her Hmm. when she doesn't respond to it in a favorable light because he wants to come in as the savior his psychopathic tendencies lead him to killing her boyfriend who comes over and then attempting to kill her and all of a sudden he goes from this precocious 12 year old horny boy (laughs) to a psychopathic killer who has her tied up in the house and then awesome then virginia madsen plays the mom by the way um, she's been in lots of bad movies. Is able to clean up <laughs> and lots of good ones. All of the blood and mess before mom and dad get home from a Christmas party. Cool. That sounds plausible. But you know what? I will say it wasn't worst movie on the planet. It was watchable. It was entertaining to a certain extent, you know? That's how I felt about Funhouse. I was entertained to yeah, a certain extent.
0: Um, am I going to say run right out and watch it? No.
1: No, but I mean, it was one of those I was watching while I was falling asleep. I put it on at night and it was kind of fun.
0: Yeah. I mean, as we get more and more into the horror genre and what's going on. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, yeah, (laughs) there are certainly different boxes to put horror movies in. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of really average entertaining horror movies. Um, so I'm going to, close out because i think those were the two you wanted to talk about mm-hmm. and um i'm gonna close out with this second one um <laughs> not particularly light movie it's called bliss and it's on Shutter as well uh it's gotten very good uh, audience like uh, very good critical reviews that kind of thing uh it's from 2019 it's very visually intense. It's very intense, period. Uh, but I I don't know. Hard to say you enjoy something that's quite... Um, it's really dark. So the plot is this. Uh, known for her dark and macabre artwork, painter Desi Donahue, which is Dora Madison, who you will know from Friday Night Lights. She's the young girl in love with
1: oh the daughter mm-hmm. yeah i like her yeah she's great she in actually this. looks better as a brunette by the way Is she a brunette in this? she's a brunette yeah, yeah naturally she's i think all natural in it
0: mm-hmm. uh she's really good in this uh she's a in a professional rut so again she's a painter she's in a professional rut uh, unable to finish her newest commissioned work, Desi looks to reignite her creative juices by letting loose, as in taking every drug in sight, tearing through raucous house parties and heavy metal bars, etc. So, yeah, the beginning of this movie—I um, don't know where it is, but it's only a ninety-minute movie. So, you know, maybe the first half an hour or something. You're—it's not really a horror movie. You're like, okay, this is a girl who's. It's uh, shot really moody. It's well put together. She's a good actress. It's like an artist who is young and I really recognize the culture that she's in in this movie, which is sort of this drinking and drugging and hanging out with your friends and going to parties and being kind of artsy and doing your thing. Like I recognize that culture Mm -hmm. Um, and it's familiar to me in particular, but. So I was, I was going with it and I liked her quite a bit. Um, and then after a few nights spent with her debauchery loving friends, (laughs) there's this guy and this girl and they're together, but they have threesomes all the time and they pick up women all the time and whatever. So they have, they call it debauchery because they have a threesome. So, um, then Desi starts to change and she doesn't know why. She like starts to paint well. Um, she's painting again. She's all inspired, but she has this strange desire for blood. Mm. And on we go. Again, this is, if you have a, you know, a, a, if you like movie horror movies with lots of just blood running around and drinking of blood, but in very unique ways, like not, this is not your, Um, you know, interview with a vampire type vampire. (laughs) These are like, let me rip off this guy's head and drink from the blood that's spreading out. Kind of blood, you know. Uh, she's naked a bunch. Um, she's really visceral, and I think it's an actually a she does a really good job as an actor. Uh, in such a different role for her, very different, and she's definitely like in every scene. Mm -hmm. so this was a big job for them
1: it's called bliss
0: yeah um again bloody and dark and i would say if you like things that are you know if you're building up your uh i don't know your library of vampire movies i would add this to it because it's an interesting take on something again dark
1: not not pleasant <laughs> and sorry there's another bliss film what year is this
0: 2019
1: okay i was looking at the turkish film from 2007 <laughs> i go that's not her
0: nope that's not it I mean, that's
1: a brunette but that's not her
0: <laughs> so that's the other movie i wanted to talk about um i i would i watched it i enjoyed it from it from that perspective but not light and fun like Funhouse or anything from the 80s that we've talked about oh good
1: lord what, so there's that and that's all a i got. is this a shutter yeah okay I'll cool for it all right so i think that's our show you got anything else uh oh that's who you're talking about i was thinking about the other daughter this is the one who f- i got gotcha. you okay yeah sorry you want to share with
0: the listeners what you're yeah, t- talking so about
1: I, I thought you were talking about the really innocent daughter of the coach you're talking about the the daughter of the single mother i am on we're talking about friday night lights sorry yeah the one She's in with the love the with riggins trailer. You got it. Okay, that's all I have. Okay, me too.
0: Thank you so much for listening. This is Shrink Chat. My name is Shannon.
1: And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.
0: We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shrink Chat. If you enjoy what we do here, there are two things you could consider. Subscribing and sharing our episodes on social media and checking out our Patreon page. Don't hesitate to contact us on Twitter, Instagram, or our Facebook page. We upload new episodes of Terror Talk every Wednesday and of Shrink Chat every Friday. Until then, goodbye and
1: have a pleasant tomorrow.